right, good morning, promise of victory. Welcome to the second week of our series. We're calling it Relevant Faith. I'm talking about things that are going to help you walk out this thing called faith. I I think sometimes, especially in charismatic and Pentecostal churches, faith kind of gets a little bit of a convoluted reputation because it seems like it's always about Uh, when we talk about faith, we're talking about believing God to do miraculous things, and and all of that's important. But before you ever graduate to that level, faith should make a difference in how you treat people and how you think about life and about how you operate your home. and, And all of these things happen because of faith. And that's what I'm talking about in this series, relevant faith. Not the spooky kind of faith, not the faith that's out in the extremities that's, that, that makes people uh, pray real loud and real hard and sweat a lot. That's not the faith I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about relevant faith. And I'm going to tie this week in with last Sunday because last Sunday I talked about the seed. And if you were here, I kind of made a mess up here on the stage. And, and I was setting the stage for what I was going to talk about this week. Now, I'm going to take my text this morning out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. It is a story that some of you have heard since you were, as we say in the South, knee high to a grasshopper. You have heard this story over and over and over again, but I'm not going to preach it a way that you've probably ever uh, heard it preached before because I'm not going to talk about most of the points that we use when we deal with this story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to begin with verse 3. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Pay attention to that because that's what I'm going to preach on this morning. It's not going to be the slingshot. It's not going to be the five smooth stones. And we've talked about all these things before. But I want to talk about beginning here at verse 8. He shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion But you are only the servants of Saul. You are only the servants of Saul. You are only. Did you hear that limitation he put on them? He he is speaking a negative limitation over them. He is taunting them with negative mindset. Mm. He said, you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. And then he uses a word here in verse 10 that's going to get him in trouble. I defy. 
This, this is the word that got Goliath, nine foot tall, monster of a man, Goliath in trouble. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they, when they what? When they what? When they heard this, faith cometh by, and by the so, so if faith comes by hearing the word of God, then fear comes by hearing the word of somebody else. Did, did you see what this scripture said? They heard what he said, and they were terrified. So I'm not hurting scripture any at all by saying faith comes by hearing the word of God. Fear comes by hearing other people's words. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken and jumped down to verse 16, and you'll find out how long this happened for. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. For 40 days, every morning, the Bible says that, that Goliath would put on his armor and go strutting in front of Israel. For 40 days, every morning and every evening, he went out there and talked trash. For 40 days, twice a day. So for 80 different occurrences, Israel has heard a man speak to them that they're not enough. In the span of a month and a half, they have heard this giant of a man tell them, what you want to do is impossible. And they were terrified after the first day. Can you imagine how bad a shape they was in 39 days later? The Bible says that as the sun would come up, Goliath would go out and talk his trash. The enemy's pretty smart sometimes. Sometimes he's an idiot. Sometimes he's pretty smart. In this instance, he knew that if he could plant a seed in the ear of Israel every morning as the sun was coming up, they would be crippled by fear all day. And then if he would plant another seed in their ear as they were laying down at night, they would be uh, restless all night and be dreaming about what the devil had said to them. So over and over and over again, he understood that negative words make a difference in your life. So the, the lesson that we learn from this is the power of the spoken negative word. And then, if you keep reading this story, a little boy named David shows up. Now, David is known as a sheep herder. He's known as a red-headed uh, stepson of, of all the other, or stepbrother of all the other brothers. But there's another thing that David is known for. He's known as a worshiper. And when David shows up on the battlefield, the devil should have known not to mess with a praiser. See, there's a difference when you speak fear into some folks' lives and a difference when you speak fear into a praiser's life. Because praisers learned a long time ago that it doesn't matter what I see or what I hear, it can't stop me from praising the Lord. Can somebody bear witness in here? 
See, little David shows up, and, and unfortunately, uh, everybody else was laying there in fear, hiding in the bushes, the Bible says. But this praiser shows up and says, what are y'all doing? The, the King James says, is there not a cause? He asks these questions to all these big, strong, strapping military men that are hiding in the bushes. He said, I, I haven't been trained I, the armor don't fit me. I, I don't know how to use a sword. But he looks across the valley at the same fear that everybody else saw, but it had a different effect on him. I wish I had a witness. See, when he looked at Goliath, he saw that he's nine feet tall. He saw that he had armor. He saw the, the shaft of his, uh, of his spear. He saw the head of that spear was as big as a weaver's beam. He was not... Uh, belligerent. He wasn't ignoring facts. I wish I had a witness. See, some people look at you when you walk in faith and they say, well, you're just not realistic. And to them, I say, thank you very much. Because my realism is not your realism. Because you are bound by what you see and feel in here. But my treasures are laid up in another place than here. And, and I know in whom I have believed. So my faith can't be wrapped around what you are afraid of. I wish I had a witness. So, 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 this, so this Philistine, remember the Bible is very plain. He was the champion of the Philistines. And David looks across and says, This uncircumcised Philistine. Now that sounds a little bit funny. I hear the chuckles out there. It sounds a little bit funny to us. that he. And, and be honest with you, since I've been in church, that's been a way I've been, I've been allowed by Jesus to tell folks off. Because he won't let me cuss them out no more because he took my cusser out when I got saved. So now when somebody makes me real mad, I just say, you uncircumcised Philistine. That's just a Bible way. Listen, if you don't hear nothing else, pastor says, that's a Bible way for you to be able to tell somebody what's on your mind. So, <laughs> what David was actually saying was this. Because circumcision was a mark of covenant. On the eighth day, every Hebrew boy was to be circumcised. And what that said was, God has my back. I don't have time to get into the whole covenantal uh, teaching uh, this morning. I, I won't go down that road. But uh, long story short, when, when God makes a covenant with his people, here's what he says. Your enemies become my enemies. And, and, and if you get in a fight, they're not just fighting you. They're also fighting me. And, and so David understood he had a covenant with God. So it really didn't matter who stood in front of him because he knew who stood behind him. <laughs> so when he walked out on that battlefield, he said, Look, guys, listen, that uncircumcised Philistine has no chance because I have the God of angel army standing at my backside. I'm not out here by myself. Do you honestly think me, a little ruddy, red-headed boy, is going to walk out here and face this military giant? I ain't here by myself. I know who's got my back because I have a covenant with God. That's where faith comes from. If you wonder why some folks seem to always walk around and they're not afraid like you're afraid, things don't shake them like it shook you, it's because they know who's got their back. Just look at your neighbor and ask them real quick, do you know who's got your back? We do that. Do, do, do you know who's got your back? Now understand something. God 
was going to deliver Goliath. But he didn't do it without David's confession. This is where my sermons, I'm going to, I'm going to teach this morning. Is it all right if I teach you this morning? The power of confession. What are you confessing over your existence? Because there's a principle that I want to teach you from this story. For the past two weeks, or last week and this week, I have shown you that your environment matters. Where you put your seed determines what you can expect from it. Do, do you see the, 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 the capitalized words? Where you put your seed, not what's inside your seed, uh, not who gave you the seed, not how expensive the seed was. Where you put the seed determines what you can expect from it. You can have a good seed that is healthy and strong, full of potential. But if it's not planted in the right soil, it's not going to become what it was created to be. And the problem is not the seed. Hello? A scientist could study the seed, run tests on it, and they would find that it's full of life. If it's an apple seed, there is apples in that seed. If it's a rose bush seed, it has blossoms in that seed. But if it's planted in the wrong soil, what is inside of it will never reach its maximum potential. And that's the same principle that is true in your life. You are a seed. You are full of gifts, talents, potential. But if you plant yourself in unhealthy soil, if you hang around friends that pull you down, if you're in an environment that is limited with people that tell you what you can't do and what you'll never become, you will not see the growth that you should. Not because there's something wrong with the seed. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. The problem is with the soil. And that's where I'm going to spend talking uh, the rest of my talk this morning with you about is because the rocks and the thorns and the weeds that are choking the life out of your seed need to go. Jesus told a parable about a man who sowed seed on good ground. And the Bible says when he threw the seed on good ground, it came up and it was healthy. But he said some of that seed fell on thorny places and the weeds choked it out. And some of that seed fell on rocks, and it came up real fast, but then when the sun came out, it scorched it, and the plants died. In other words, the same seed met different ends depending on the soil that it fell in. Some seed grew up healthy and strong and productive because he put it in the right place. Other seed that fell in the wrong place never reached its maximum potential. And can I tell you that you live among thorns? Some of you live among the weeds. I said weeds, not weed. Look at me in that tone of voice. Some of you live among that too, and that's another sermon for another time. But some of you live among thorns and weeds that choke out your potential, that cause you to compromise, that cause you to have small-minded thinking, that cause you to doubt and criticize and live below your potential. The weeds are messengers that are always trying to send uh, you these, these, uh, these negative connotations to not believe what God says you're capable of doing. The rocks are those family members that tell you 
that you're never going to get out of that addiction. Well, you know that your daddy was an alcoholic and his daddy was an alcoholic. And they're constantly reminding you of why you can't get out of the routine and the pattern that you have found yourself in. They're keeping you from growing. They're keeping you from flourishing. The environment you find yourself in is important. No matter how good the seed is, it is dependent on good soil. No matter how powerful uh, the, the in, internal workings of the seed is, you need to be selective with where you put it. Listen, you've got to be selective with who you give your time. Can I just be honest? Everybody don't deserve your energy. There are time sucks and energy sucks out there that don't give you anything and all they do is take from you and you think that you're being a good Christian by just giving them all of your aura and giving you all of your energy and giving them all of your time and you think that you're being Christ-like when really they are taking more from you than you are able to give to them and you need to be able, listen, you can love folks but you don't have to, you don't have to invest in people. Are you hearing me? Sometimes you got to get to the point where you're ready to grow and you got to start pulling up some weeds in your life. Amen? you got to quit hanging out with thorny friends. People that bring out the worst in you. That talk you out of your dreams. The people that cause you to compromise. Their negativity is contaminating your soil and your destiny is too great to waste with people that don't see your value. Well, pastor, what if I hurt their feelings? What if they keep you from your destiny? What if they keep you from blossoming and becoming what Christ called you to be? What you are unwilling to walk away from defines how much value you see in your seed. Mm. See, I know that this is deep. What you're unwilling to walk away from defines how much you value your seed. If you know somebody's pulling you down, but you won't make a change, then you'll get stuck exactly where you are. Your seed can't grow in bad soil. And by the way, in Scripture, we see this over and over and over with people that were a lot closer to God than dare say most of us are. Let me give you an example. There was a man called Abraham who God said, get up and leave your country and leave your family and go this way. And you know what Abraham did? He was about 99% obedient. He got up. He went the direction God told him to go. But God said, leave your family. And he took his nephew Lot. God never told him to take Lot. The Bible says, if you keep reading the story of Abraham, that some miles down the road, some months maybe down the road, Abraham and Lot's herdsmen got in an argument. They separated. Lot made a lot of bad choices. Lot got taken into captivity. Abraham felt responsible for his nephew. He had to go fight a war, kill some folks, get Lot and his possessions and his family back and bring them back. In other words, he spent a whole lot of energy. He spent a whole lot of resources. He spent a whole lot of time on a problem he should have never had if he would have left Lot behind in the first place. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. Are you ready? Some of the challenges you face are because you refuse to leave the folks God told you to leave. 
some of the problems that you are praying about, right? Oh, boy, I just feel this in my spirit. Some of the problems you are praying about it right now and asking God to deliver you from is because God tried to get you away from them and you refused to let them go. And the problem that we run into is when we put our seeds in the wrong soil or put them in the hand of the wrong people, then we blame God why our crops are not right. You got to be nice to everybody. You got to be Christ like to everybody. But you can be selective with who you spend time with. I'm selective with who I allow into my life because I don't want negative and critical and jealous and small-minded, can't-do-it kind of folks in my life. The world is full of negativity enough. I don't need to be voluntarily bringing that kind of force into my life. I want folks that can see potential in me. I want people who are where I'm trying to get to. I want people who have greater faith than me. I want people who are more positive than me. I want people who see that, 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 that God is able to do great, exceedingly abundant things in my life. Uh, listen, if you put your seed in the right place, do you realize that you can be prosperous when all the world is falling apart? I can take you to the Bible and show you how Joseph, and Isaac. Isaac had wells that were bursting out of the desert when everybody else was going through a famine. If you put your seed in the right place, you can be blessed when the whole world is falling apart. You need to understand you can break generational curses if you put your seed in the right place. You can break health and, 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 wealth and prosperity and wealth out all around you and, and be a blessing to everybody in your life, but you've got to protect your seed. Some of you don't think enough about yourself, and that's why you put yourself in the people's position, uh, in, in their presence that does not belong. It's not just people either. you got to guard what feeds you. Do you know what I have discovered about myself in the last couple of years? If I spend my, if I spend my time listening to the news, come on now. If I spend my time listening to the news, I am so angry. I'm so negative. I have, listen, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter what flavor it is. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to pick sides. Jesus didn't have a side. I don't either. I'm not talking about, well, you, you're watching the wrong news, Pastor. You need to watch this. No, I don't need to watch any of it. Because I've read the end of the book, and I know I win either way. So I just don't need to know. I don't need to know half of what y'all want to know about. Because I, here's what I find out. The more I know, the angrier I become. The more fearful I become. I start, I start thinking about, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? Oh, and they said that this is going to crash, and the economy is going to do this, and gas is going to be $10 a gallon. And you know what? It may indeed happen. And so when I hear that, and people say, well, we're going to have to fight this, and we're going to have to fight that. And I said, I don't have to fight anything because I know in whom I have believed. And the Bible says that if I will stand, I will watch my salvation. So I know who's got my back, but he's also got my front. He's got angel armies around me. And so I trust in the Lord and in the presence of his might in spite of everything that's going on around me. So I, listen, I, I stopped listening. This, this, this month I just, I just took a fast from all that mess. Because it doesn't do anything but stir up wrong emotions in me. Have you ever noticed, not you, you wouldn't do this, but have you ever noticed that if you are a married person and you spend too much time with somebody who is going through a nasty, hateful divorce or just went through one, how if you spend too much time talking to them on the phone or 
working around them or being in their presence, you'll go home mad at your husband and he didn't even do nothing. But you heard her berate men all day long. If your auntie and, and, and all her sisters at the family reunion, if they all hate men and you show up and you are happy with your marriage, you won't be when you leave. You will have some kind of feelings about your man and he didn't even do nothing. You'll come home and be all angry and he'll be like, what did I do? He didn't do nothing. He's an innocent bystander. But because you were around that negative, you cast your seed into that negative soil and it rubbed off on you. So when you face difficulties, you're going to have to keep your mind filled with thoughts of faith and when you need to surround yourself with people, find people that can speak hope. In a negative atmosphere. I don't see any, I don't see any water up here. Throw me your water, hon. Can you throw that? She won't throw it. She's too graceful. Look how graceful she is. You could have gave it to Ashley, she'd have threw it. So you go to Sam's Club and you buy this water. It's 15 cents. Same bottle of water at Walmart will cost you 33 cents. But if you're out on the side of the road somewhere and you stop at a gas station, same bottle of water is going to be two bucks. Now, if you go to a restaurant and order this same bottle of water, it's marked up to three. And if you happen to be unlucky enough to be getting on an airplane, and go into the airport and have to buy that same bottle of water, seven bucks. Same water, same contents, but everybody who has it in another place values it differently. Y'all not going to hear what I'm saying tonight. See, every place gives a different value to the same product, and you need to learn your value. You need to see yourself like God sees you. Because when you feel like you're worth nothing and everybody around you belittles you, you need to change places. I'm going to just go ahead. Can I just give you permission to uproot some weeds out of your life and throw some rocks and stones out of your existence? You need to have the courage to change places and go to a place where you are given the value that you deserve. Go ahead and give yourself a hand clap right there. Stop settling for less than you deserve. I'm going to dive into that a little deeper in a moment, but let me, let me just set the stage with this story. One time Jesus went to pray for a little girl who had died. And the Bible says that him and Peter, James, and John shows up to pray for this little, for this little girl. And he walked into the house and said, she's not dead. She's asleep. And all the people who were mourning her were there in the house, and they started laughing at Jesus. They said, he don't know the difference between dead and asleep. And he walked into the room where all these people were, and he said, get out. Get, get out. And the Bible said, <laughs> thank you, brother. And the Bible says, the only people he let stay in the room was Peter, James, and John. Now, what was he doing? He was God. Jesus was God. Jesus could have healed that little girl in front of anybody. 
what he was doing was giving you and me an example. That sometimes if you want to see a miracle, you got to worry about who's around you. You got to worry about the environment that you are trying to perform the miracle because some of us are asking for miracles, but we are hanging out with folks that ain't never going to believe. They're never going to agree. They're never going to accept that Jesus has done a work in their life. And listen, if they're not growing, they won't let you believe you can grow either. These are the kind of people that you have to get out of the room. Listen, you got to set some boundaries. You got to say, look, I love you, but I'm not going to let you poison my faith. I love you and I appreciate you, but when I got to get down to this thing, I'm on a fast right now. I know many of you are. Uh, I, we always start the beginning of the year uh, with, with, with a lot of us fasting and believing God. But, but if you're going to hang around, listen, can I tell you that, that, that if you're not around the right atmosphere, you're not fasting, you're just on a diet. Be, because you need to surround yourself with the Word. You need to surround yourself with people that are speaking faith to you. You need to surround yourself with people that say, you can do it. And not only can you do it, but more importantly, God can do it in your life. You don't need people that's holding you back or pressing you down and saying, well, you know, you've tried that before and it didn't work. No, it didn't work then, but I tried it in the power of my own strength. This time, God's going to show up and do what I could not do. See, if they're not growing, they'll convince you that you can't either. And you have to set some boundaries. Sometimes you've got to say, you know what, I love you, but I'm going to love you from outside the room. I need you to get out of here right now because i got to have a little talk with Jesus. And this is what happened. This is what happened then. This is what happened with the Israelites. Do you remember when God told them to go to the promised land? And he said, it's yours. And they believed him until they didn't. They prayed for 420 years for God to deliver them. And then he does it. And listen, I don't even have time to tell this story, but you know, you know what God did. I mean, he sent 10 negotiation tactics at Pharaoh. He did what only God could do. Got them out of Egypt. Set them on a course protected them with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. He gave them water out of a rock. He rained manna down out of the sky. I mean, God is doing miracle after miracle after. You would think after a while, after you've seen God do all this stuff, you'd be like, man, God is really with me. He's really on my side. And yet, when they saw the giants, they said, this can't happen. They were camped next door to where they were trying to get to for 420 years. All they had to do was believe for one more miracle. And instead, they said, we can't do this. They said, they said, they said what they confessed they had. See, God promised them victory, but they contaminated their soil. Their seed of faith could not grow in that negative environment. And the people you surround yourself with is going to determine how your seed grows. Don't hang around with can't-do people. Uh-huh. I, I, listen, I know you found Jesus and all, and I, I, I'm, I'm happy for you, but you know that once you're an addict, you're always an addict. What, 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 you, know, you know that your mama was like that. Now, you, you, your daddy had that same temper. 
You need to get away from those people that are speaking curses over you and trying to limit you as to what God can do in your life. Uh, especially in difficult times. You may, have, you may have an illness, but you don't have to go find a bunch of other sick folk so you can all be sick together. Misery loves company. Somebody say amen. If you struggle with addiction yourself, don't go hang around with other people that are addicted because they're not going to help you get up to a level that they've never been able to reach. If you're struggling with depression, don't go five, five other depressed folks so y'all can have a pity party. You need people that are where you want to be and you hang around with them, find people that are happy and positive and grateful and full of faith. We don't realize that it's our words that are keeping promises from coming to pass. You can't talk defeat and expect to have victory. Because the moment you speak something out of your mouth, you are giving life to what you're saying, either good or bad. Everybody has negative thoughts. Everybody has negative thoughts. But just because it's up here doesn't mean it should come out here. I am starting 2022 on a crusade for myself. I don't know how you're going to handle this new year, but I have always in my existence battled negative mindsets, negative attitudes. I've always been a pessimistic person. My idea was don't expect nothing out of nobody and nobody will ever let you down. I grew up around critical people. I grew around, up around angry family members. They didn't help me very much. They didn't know how to help themselves, so they didn't know how to help me. And I just grew up with a hard shell of critical thinking skills. I'm analytic. I analyze everything down to the nth degree. I'm always studying people. I'm always expecting the worst out of them. But my mindset in this new season is to either I'm going to be positive or I'm going to be quiet. This is what I believe God wants from me, and I think that this is something that maybe you could learn from too, because Proverbs 6 says that you are snared, you are trapped by the words of your mouth. Do you know that you can talk yourself out of promotion? You can talk yourself out of healing? You can talk yourself out of deliverance? Because God has spoken promises over your life, but you can negate what God wants by speaking blessing or curses over top of the blessing that he's trying to give to you. So be careful what you allow to come out of your mouth. Uh-huh. It's easy to get negative. And all through the day, just because you have negative thoughts, before you release them out of your mouth, you need to ask yourself the question, is what I'm about to say what I want in my life? Because whatever you say, you are inviting. When you say, I'm never going to get out of debt, I heard somebody put, say that the other day. Oh, I'll be in debt the rest of my life. My, 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 my student loans are so big, I'll be in debt the rest of my life. I said, yep, you probably will. When you say, well, I've just been sick for so long, I'll probably always be sick. Yep, you probably will. Because that's exactly the, the, the atmosphere that you're setting for yourself. When you're inviting struggle and you're inviting lack and you're inviting sickness into your life, that's exactly what you're going to manifest. When you say, oh, this problem's too big, I don't think I'll ever get out of that. You're, you're inviting defeat and mediocrity 
And, and, and the Bible says that whatever you say, you're trapped by it. The Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So everything you've been saying is exposing what's really on the inside of you. And some of us are so fluent with wrong speech, it's our default reaction. Let me give you an example. Boss comes up and says, uh, we want to give you a promotion. And if you are a negative Nelly, your first reaction should be jumping up and down, running down the street, letting off fireworks. But if you're a negative Nelly, you're like, what's the catch? Who turned it down before you offered it to me? Are you trying to give me this just because you want to get rid of me? Look, silly goose. The Bible says promotion is from the Lord. You get up every day and you ask God to promote you. You ask God to forward you. You ask God to launch you, progress you, give you favor with himself and man. And then when it shows up, you dare question how you got here and that you don't deserve it. I hear Christian people say it all the time. And I have been guilty of it standing up in the pulpit saying, I'm not worthy of this and I'm, I, I, I'm, not, and I'm not worthy of it. But at the same time, I'm called to it. And the reason that I'm called to it is because God put something in me that I didn't have in myself. But my problem is what I'm thinking and what I'm saying is negating what God is doing. Let me, let me lay it out to you like this. I grew up in a famine reality. We were poor. And my famine reality produced in me a famine mentality. So I have to watch the words that I say constantly still to this day because I was conditioned to think I'm always just going to get by. And if you're not careful, that'll make you stingy. You won't tithe, you won't give to God because you're like, I need this. And you'll just be a miser and you'll hold on to everything. You won't be a giver. You won't love people right because you're always thinking, if I lose this, I won't ever get it back. And that was the mindset I had as a child because we were so poor. If you spent money, it didn't come back. But here's what I found about God. God looks down at us and sees our silliness. And God stood over nothing. And when he stood over it, he didn't think everything into existence. He didn't feel everything into existence. He spoke everything into existence. He created everything out of nothing. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be sky. And God said, let there be fish in the water. And if that's how he created, he created us in his image and in his likeness. And he says, you can create that way too. There's a lot of examples in the Bible of miracles being ignited by somebody opening their mouth. Do you remember when Abraham was told by God to sacrifice his son Isaac? And the Bible says that him and Isaac were walking up the mountain and he told some of the servants. Now, I remind you, God said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. That means Isaac should be on the altar, dead. But at the same time, Isaac was the son that God had promised Abraham. And Abraham told the servants, I want you guys to stay right here. Me and the boy will go worship 
He didn't say we were going to sacrifice. He said, me and the boy will go worship and we'll be back. He was Arnold before Arnold was Arnold. He says, I'll be back. And he said, we will be. Now, mind you, he knew that he was supposed to take Isaac on the mountain and kill Isaac. And yet he said, me and Isaac will be back because he knew God could not lie. God is not a man that he should lie. He knew that him and the boy had to come back down off that mountain. He did not know how, but he was talking in faith. Can I hear somebody? See, see, some of us would have died on that mountain. Some of us would have just curled up in a fetal position and sucked our thumb and said, not my baby boy. You can't have my baby boy. Life ain't worth living without my baby boy. But faith talk says I don't know how and I don't know when but God said that this was my son and even if I gotta take him up here and run a knife through him God will raise him from the dead. But we're coming back. For 120 years Noah built a boat and it had never rained. He told everybody it's gonna rain. And everybody had the same reaction. What's rain? Noah building a boat in the middle of the desert. And he kept telling everybody, for 120 years, it's going to rain. It's going, that's faith talk. We talk about how David killed Goliath. But did you notice how gangster he was? Because he didn't just kill him. He told him what he's going to do. He said, before this day's out, I'm going to cut your head off and feed it to the birds. He didn't even carry a sword. He used Goliath's own sword to cut his head off, but he told him what was going to happen. Here's Goliath laughing at him, saying, am I a dog? You throw a stick at me. And David is not intimidated at all. David says, before the day's over, I'll cut your head off and feed it to the birds. Somebody needs to hear that message because it would do well for some of you to walk to the giant in your life and just start telling it that today's the day that your head comes off. Whether it's the giant of depression or the, the, the giant of lack. Maybe somebody, you've got the, the, the giant of pornography hanging over your head. Today is the day I cut your head off because I defeat you. This is the day that it ends in my life. Moses had to go in front of the most powerful man on earth and talk. And he had a speech impediment. He had to go speak faith to Pharaoh, and he had a stutter. Somebody needs to know that God called somebody with a deficiency to use their mouth to change their situation. That means you got to quit letting your deficiencies stop you. you got to stop playing the victim. Well, my dad left us. Well, I went through a divorce. Well, I was abused. God says the power of life and death is in your mouth. And so far, you've only used half of it. How about Caleb and Joshua? Twelve spies went and looked at the promised land. Twelve. Caleb and Joshua came back and said, let's go. Full of faith. Full of faith. The ten that went with them, full of fear. Shut the whole process down with what they said. 
Because the Bible says when they started speaking fear, it spread like wildfire through the camp. And nobody heard faith. All they heard was fear. The majority said, we look like grasshoppers. Can I tell you that what you have said may be more important than what you have done? What if God gave you today everything you've been talking about? Let's just stop for a moment. I know I've given you a lot of information. But let's just stop for a moment and let me ask you, what would your life look like if right now today God gave you what you have spoken. I'm not saying you get a chance to start speaking it now. You start confessing now. I'm saying what you have already spoken into your existence. What if God showed up right here in this sanctuary and just gave a demonstration of his power and gave to you what you've been speaking over yourself? What would your life look like? Up to this point, what have you spoken over your life? Some of you would be sadder and more depressed than you are right now. Because that's all you've ever talked about is how bad things are. Some of you would be sicker than you are. You would hurt worse. Your marriage would be in worse shape. When Joshua was leading his people through and trying to get them into the promised land, they came to the city of Jericho. God said, I want you to march around it seven times. On, on the sixth, uh, for six days, I want you to march around it and don't say a word. You know why he didn't want them to say a word? Because he knew what their parents had done. Their parents camped out next door to the promised land and talked themselves out of deliverance. He knew that they'd be watching around that thing going, boy, this don't make no sense at all. Kate, Joshua definitely does not know what he's doing. I told you we should have voted for that other pastor. Because look how big these walls are. And he thinks that we're just going to walk around the walls. And he thinks he heard from God. Either God has lost his mind or Joshua has. I haven't decided yet. Oh, oh, and by the way, I'm hungry. And I'm tired. I got sand in my sandals. I got dirt in my face. I'm hot. I need a drink of water. I want to take a nap. He knew that if he let them watch around that wall for six days under their own strength, they would talk themselves out of the same blessing that their, their grandparents and their parents had talked themselves out of. So he said, listen, I want you to obey me without talking. I want you to do what I tell you to do and keep your mouth shut. Why? Because, and you've seen this equation before that I like to throw up ever so often, fear speaks five times louder than faith. Twelve Spies saw the promised land. Ten said it can't happen, and two said it would. That means about 80% of the people that you come in contact with will not believe you. 80% of the people that you come in contact with will not think what you think, see what you see, and believe what you believe. That's about average. You're going to have to learn how to find that 20% of the folks, the Caleb's and the Joshua's, and latch on to them and not let them go. The people that will believe that God is a God of the impossible. Even though they were next door, they had missed it already. So what's this got to do with our harvest? I'm going to close real quick. So I'm going to land this plane. I've got to give you a couple of scriptures. Obviously, your words are like seeds. 
So when you speak something out, your words take root and they begin to grow. And here's what the scripture says. You eat the fruit of your words. What you confess is what you get nourishment from. Well, pastor, I don't believe that's biblical. I'm glad you challenged that. This is what Isaiah 57 and 9 says. I, that's God. This is God speaking. This is, this is God speaking a declaration over your life. He says, I create the fruit of of your lips. Listen, he said, I create the fruit of your lips. Peace to him who is far off and to him who is near. I will hear him, heal him. I create the fruit of your lips. God says, I create what you say. I here's what he says. I create, and that word create means form, fashion, mold, like a potter does clay. He said, God says, I listened to what you said, and I created it, I formed it, I fashioned it according to the fruit of your lips. God said, I have linked my creative, miraculous power inseparably to the words that you speak into your life. I create what you keep speaking. My God in heaven, this is revelation. That means, that means God says, I create, I form, I fashion, I mold what you constantly, consistently pray for, confess, and speak out of your mouth. So if you don't like the harvest, you need to change the seed. Stop blaming your pappy. Quit blaming the boss. Don't blame your spouse. You need to check what you are saying. Can I go a little bit deeper? Man is the only creation that God made that can speak. He made dogs. He made elephants. He made fish. He made the birds of the air. And none of them, they can all make sounds, but none of them can form words. Only mankind can form words and only mankind has creative power because life and death is in the power of the tongue. So you are a composite of everything you have been saying. Oh, you don't believe me? I can't stand this place. And wonder why you walk around miserable for eight hours every day. Because you have created the environment that you spoke over yourself. You blame the place. Hey, speaking spirit, the place ought to blame you. Because you could have changed that atmosphere. You could walk into that place and say, I'm blessed to have a job. Because I'll eat this week and so will my family. And, and, and somebody, someday God will appreciate my gifts and my talents. If nobody in this place ever understands what I've done, it doesn't matter because I have done it as unto the Lord, and he will provide for me in the time of my reckoning. Hello? You have to be careful what you create with your mouth. God, I'm lonely. Give me a wife. Ho, ho, wait, wait, wait. 
Wait, time out. Give me a husband. You just want a husband? Just a husband? A husband who won't work? A husband who looks at other women? A husband that don't care for you, show you any affection, don't like you, except one day a week? You just want a husband? Some of y'all need to be careful. Some of y'all are married to what you said. I just saved y'all $49 for marriage counseling right there. Change your words and you'll begin to change your life. If you want to become something different, change what you are confessing. Get up in the morning instead of saying, oh, God, I can't believe i got to go to that place again. Get up and say, God, I praise you that my steps are ordered. I praise you that you make a way where there seems to be no way. See, that's right out of the Bible. You need to get up and say, you know what, God, I praise you for leading me and guiding me and that no wicked thing will befall me, that I will not slip or fall, that you are meeting my needs according to your riches and glory, that, that you have resources heading my way. I, I, this, listen, I'm preaching to myself. If nobody else is getting anything out of this sermon, and I am because I have a tendency of saying things that I don't want happen in my life and that has to stop because I'm getting the fruit of my lips. See what I'm doing? That's how you start the day when you're a child of the king. If you believe in this book called the Bible, then you need to realize that you are creating, you are forming the life that you mention. That's why when Jesus told the disciples to speak to the mountain, he didn't say go kick it, blow it up, Tunnel under it. He said, if there's a mountain in your way, speak to it. Because your mountain knows your voice. Some of y'all want to get a hold of the pastor to help the pastor pray about your mountain. But the mountain that is in your way knows your voice. And, and you need to understand that, that the mountain that is in your way will obey when you have faith and don't doubt and speak to that mountain. I'm tired of singing songs we don't believe. We sing all these beautiful songs and we get excited about them. What are we about to sing? We're about to sing, speak to the mountains. How about that? I won't be shaken. I won't be moved. This is what they got on the playlist for altar. I won't be moved. I didn't know what they was going to do. My God is faithful. His promise is true. So I speak to the mountains. Did you know I was going to do that? Oh, it's time to move. My God is bigger and stronger and greater than you. And, we, and we're going to sing that. We're going to sing that. I won't be shaken. Stop right there. Because half of you, three-fourths of you, seven-eighths of you, fifteen-sixteenths of you are going to sing it and get shook before you get back to the house. We do it every Sunday. We do it every Sunday. All you got to do is get that one text. All you got to do is hear what the CDC says. Admiral Fauci says. Oh, my goodness. He's leaving me again. Oh, my goodness. My kid's in trouble again. Oh, my goodness. They're... How am I going to pay that? You just confessed in church, I won't be shaken, and now you are over-confessing your confession. Because before you ever got settled in at the house, you're already unconfessing what you confessed. 
Listen, we either believe that God is a miracle-working, mountain-moving God, or we don't believe it. It will not change the fact that he is, but it changes whether or not we believe it. I'm going to help you. Are you ready to, for me to help you? Because I'm going to tell you, he can move mountains. If it's a cancer mountain, he can move it. If it's a COVID mountain, he can move it. If it's a job you need and it's a mountain in your way, he can move it. I'm believing God to supernaturally pay off debt this year. That's what I'm believing for. I'm a, I, y'all going to hear me. Some of y'all, I'm going to make y'all very uncomfortable this year because I have got something down inside of me. This, this faith is starting to, to, to it, I'm going to make some of y'all uncomfortable. Y'all be like, pastor's talking crazy. And that's exactly what it's going to sound like to some of y'all. But, but I'm believing God to supernaturally pay off debt this year, like big debts. I'm not talking about you need to $5 for gas to get you to the payday. I'm talking about I, I'm believing God to give people houses and stuff. So, so that's the kind of faith that I'm believing in this year. And, and I'm just tired of us living uh, so low and, and acting like God is happy that we're just crawling around and, 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 and can barely get by. No, listen, I, Pastor, I don't feel like I've got the victory. I, nothing in my life is working out. Let me, let me tell you what Joel says. Here's what... Man, I wish I had time to drill down into this, and I don't. Joel says, let the weak say, I'm strong. He did not say, let the people who feel weak. He did not say, let the people who used to be strong, and they're really strong, but they just... He said, let those of you that are weak. Say, I'm strong. Let the weak say, I'm strong. He didn't say, let the weak say, I'm weak. Even though that's the reality. The reality is, I'm weak. But he said, don't say that. That's not the thing you say. You say, I'm strong. And you keep saying it until strong shows up. So go ahead and say that out of your mouth. Because some of y'all have never said that. You've never had a positive confession. You wonder why you are where you are, how you are, and the world that you exist in. And it's because of what you have said over and over. And listen, I'm not blaming you. I'm not fussing at you. Because like you, you probably learned it from your mama like I did. You probably learned it from your daddy like I did. But let me teach you a thing. If you're weak, don't say you're weak. You say, I'm strong. Joel said, let the weak say, I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. And you know what? You're throwing seeds out there. I'm going through hell. I'm strong. I'm not quitting because I'm too strong. I will not fail in this. I, I know I failed before, but I won't fail this time. I'm, I'm strong. My children are strong. My family is strong. My faith is strong. My, my, my belief is strong. My, my health is strong. And, and do you see how you feel when you start saying that? Because I'm preaching to myself right now. I may not be helping you, but I'm helping me because I feel the anointing in that. Let the weak say, I believe God's report. Hallelujah. I believe that I'm more than a conqueror. 
I'm weak, but I'm strong. I know how I feel, but I'm strong. I know what they're saying, but I'm strong. I know the odds are against me, but I'm strong. I, I, know, I know my family's jacked up. They, they, they all leave and hate each other, and this, one, this kid's backslid, and my kids knew better. I raised them in church. I know my marriage ain't been what I wanted it to be for 15 years. I'm, I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. Let the weak say. Is that you? Are you weak today? I'm strong. Pastor, I'm strong. Pastor, I'm strong. I'm strong. There's a woman in 2 Kings chapter 4 who didn't have a son, and Elisha prayed that she'd have a son. Remember that story? A Syrophoenician woman. And she had a son, and the son died. The son died. I can't imagine the pain of losing a kid. I know some of you have went through that. The son died. The Bible says he was out in the field with his daddy and he said, my head hurts and he fell over and he died. And his mama went out, scooped him up and took him up and laid him in the bed of Elisha. And she said, hey, I'm going to take the horse. She told her husband, I'm going to take the horse and I'm going to go find the man of God. He says, well, why would you go right now? What's wrong? She said, it is well. She took her horse and she found the city where Elisha was and Elisha saw her coming and he sent his hands his handmaid Gehazi down and he says go find out if everything is okay with her and her son and her husband and Gehazi down, came down and he says is everything okay with you? all is well how about your husband? all is well how about your son? and that's where most of us would have fell apart that's where most of us would have came undone because he's laying back in the bed dead all is well. Can I tell you that that's exactly what I've been preaching all morning? That no matter what your circumstances are, it is well. It is well. I Listen, listen. People will come up to you because they'll see the hell that you're going through. They'll see the chaos going on and they'll be like, are you okay? Yeah. All is well. It's good in my soul. I'm all right. I'm strong. I heard, I heard that you were, hey, hey, don't worry about me. God's got me. God's got my back. I'm creating a whole new reality here because I'm not going to get drugged down by the weaknesses that everybody thinks should have me in shackles and chains because I'm going to say I'm strong. I know that weakness looks like it's permeating my being, but I'm strong. It is well. All is okay. It is well with me. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to stand to your feet. I just want you, I just want you to stand to your feet and lift your hands to heaven. And I know that some of you in this room, perhaps somebody watching, on live stream probably knows what it feels like you've done everything you think right but you're just so why is 
my life like this? Why my kids like that? Why my marriage like that? Why? I just want you to stand there and say, I'm strong. It is well. It's okay at my house. It's okay at my job. I'm going to go in tomorrow and say, it is well here. I'm not creating drama anymore. I'm going to create the job I want. I'm going to create the kids I want. I'm going to create the marriage that I want. I'm going to create my health. If I got to do it against proof and evidence, it is well. It is well. 